Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Dallara. I am not flanked by producer Corey today. It is a solo dolo podcast, but we will keep it tight for you. We will keep this thing fast. Look, this is really exciting. We've got the East and Western Conference Finals. I am recording right now in the midst of game one of the Eastern Conference Finals while the Miami Heat are ahead of, or actually they're behind the Boston Celtics right now. But the thing is, the Celtics just got some bad news where Al Horford is in the health and safety protocols. There's been a little bit of confusion whether he is vaccinated or immunized, whatever that means. It seems like he's immunized for polio because this is his third time in the league's health and safety protocols. Uh, it, he's obviously missing game one. It's entirely possible he misses game two as well. This series is going to be a one day on one day off throughout the rest of the games. Um, Another thing to keep an eye out on is Marcus Smart missed game one uh, for Boston, and he will be coming back in game two, or at least, you know, we think he will. But that that that's definitely going to hurt Boston, at least long term in terms of their minutes, their rotations. Their guys are going to start to get a little bit tired. Uh, but with that, look, I'm going to hit you with my best bets for Wednesday slate right now. I want to get these out first. So that way we don't forget about them. But we're going to be taking the Golden State Warriors minus four and a half. Clay Thompson under 28.5 points, rebounds, and assists, and Draymond Green over 7.7 rebounds per game. Uh, that's available at DraftKings. We will get back to the analysis when we touch on the Warriors versus the Mavericks in game one on today's uh, for today's NBA slate on TNT. Look, part of the thing here is I want to talk about the East. Boston theoretically is better. Um, I want to bet them to win the series. I was a little nervous, honestly, to bet them to win game one. And I, I wound up betting on Miami because of there's historical trends, which I'm going to, I'll tell you now, but basically when teams play game seven, they, and they play a team that did not have to play a game seven and they have, they're at a rest disadvantage. It really correlates well for, you know, for the, for the team that's more rested. They're winning at over 60% of the time straight up. It's about 62%. And that's something that in considering the game is about to pick them. I didn't want to lay those points. Then, you know, the line moves. So then we added to it a little bit more for Miami, but the thing to consider here is that rest advantage. It, not only does it affect game one, it's, it has an aggregate effect over the course of the series. Um, like the, the Dallas Mavericks have played 13 of a possible 14 games so far this season. And that obviously makes things a little bit tougher. You are going to have a little bit more tired legs and it's not the easiest situation. And that's part of what I'm looking at here. Boston has played two absolute juggernaut teams. You know, they played the, they played the Brooklyn Nets. And although that was a sweep, you know, the Nets are still, the Nets were still a tough task in terms of defending at least Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Um, and then you're looking at the Milwaukee Bucks who play that like grueling physical type of offense with Giannis and with Drew Holiday. And that really sets up a situation where you're probably going to be a little bit tired. And even when we're looking at this, you know, Boston, you know, they just they just barely eked out that series against Milwaukee. And I mean, we can have we can go back and forth about whether or not 
they really dominated it. They just, it just was inevitable that they were going to win in seven because they seemed to lose the coin flip games. But part of being a champion and part of winning in the NBA is securing those, securing those coin flip games. So I am a little bit skeptical, you know, about Boston's strength, their longevity in this series against the Miami team who has had a relatively easy road. You know, Atlanta did not really put up much resistance at all. And if we look at this even further, when they played Philly, Joel Embiid didn't play for the first two games. And I get that he wasn't, you know, himself due to the the torn ligament in his hand, the broken face, the concussion, whatever. I'm wondering if Miami is a little bit undervalued in the market um, because people just don't seem to believe in them. They don't buy them. I don't really buy them, but it's reflected in the odds. Like it's not even like they were underdogs as the one seed going into the series. And that was knowing that Boston had this rest disadvantage. So I think when we really look at this, it's, it's tough because Miami can really do a little bit of everything. They can play, you know, they can play switch, they can play zone, they can play drop, they can play every type of defensive type of coverage. The question for Miami is going to be, where do they get points? And, you know, you're looking at Jimmy Butler, obviously can score and, but Bam Adebayo is not really a scorer. And guys like Tyler Hero, Max Struss, like I know we're, they're going to have be at without Kyle Lowry, at least for game one, if not more games, but they don't have that, that next guy. Like it's got to be somebody that steps up. It's really got to be Tyler Hero. And Tyler Hero is somebody that can be attacked on the defensive side of the ball. Sorry, could you say that again? Well, Tyler Hero is somebody that can be attacked on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I do think that this is a little bit of a tough spot for Miami, at least offensively. But at the same time, this is a tough matchup for Boston as well. They almost like when I watch, when I look at these two teams, they seem similar, you know, like you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Obviously those two are like better scorers anyway, but then you have, you know, you have Jimmy Butler on the other side, who's arguably been, you know, at least a top five player in all of the NBA playoffs so far. And then you've got Bam Adebayo. You have Robert Williams on the other side. Uh, you have Kyle Lowry. To co- you have Marcus Smart. Like there's so many different corollaries here. They seem very similar, but like, I know that like I always make fun of heat culture, but like they do have that like style. They have that grit. And that's something that I think might give them a little bit of an edge here. Like I know that Boston just got through this series with Milwaukee, but that's a tough spot for them. That's a tough ask. And now you have to go play the number one seed Miami heat where I'm already saying you're probably going to lose game one. One of the big concerns that I have with the Boston Celtics anyway, though, is look, they do this thing where the offense can like devolve sometimes. And I've talked about this before. And it's just that like when they start playing ISO and they start playing hero ball, things fall apart. And as good as Jason Tatum can be, he's struggled against Miami. And this season, actually, in three games, we've seen his usage drop from 32% to 26%. So he's he's supposed to be Boston's best player. And we see him getting limited by Miami. 
And then, you know, you have Jalen Brown, who remains pretty static against Miami. He's actually the leading scorer amongst both teams when they play each other across the course of the season. He's averaged 24. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see kind of how game one plays out. But if Miami wins game one, I'll definitely be looking to maybe add a position for Boston to win the title. But a lot of it's going to depend. Like, I don't know what the situation is with Al Horford. I don't love this spot now. Like, I, I felt that this was a schedule loss for the for the Boston Celtics in game one due to the trends and due to the, the grueling series that they just played. But without Al Horford, without Marcus Smart, you're really taking a hit there in terms of the offense. And I think some people disagree with me. I think that Marcus Smart is very important for this offense because of his ability as a passer. He opens up the floor and he started to actually make the right pass as opposed to chucking up some shots as he's trying to be like that guy in the same tier as Tatum and Brown. And then with Al Horford, you're losing a big who can stretch the floor. You're losing a guy that can match up with Al Horford and spell Robert Williams, who is coming back off of that knee injury missed some games against the Bucks. He was not fully healthy. And now you need him to play extended minutes in order to be successful on the defensive end. So I struggle with that for Boston. Uh, I might just wait and see how the series pans out after games one and two. I feel like we'll probably have a split. And then maybe I'll look to bet it in game three. As for Miami, their offense also struggles. And it's kind of one of those things like they struggled a couple games against Philly. They struggled a couple games against Atlanta where they just couldn't get it going. And it's concerning when you now play a Boston team who is significantly better on the defensive side of the ball. They had the number one defense in the league over the course of the season. You saw them severely limit both Kevin Durant and like they limited Giannis to an extent but it was more in terms of his efficiency, not his actual numbers and not his actual output. And now you're putting them against, you know, now you have Boston who, you know, it's like no offense to Jimmy Butler, but he's not of the same ilk as Giannis or Kevin Durant in terms of his scoring. And that's who you're now tasked with defending. So I think that Tatum and Butler are probably going to cannibalize each other a little bit. I think that Jalen Brown is probably going to be the best player in the series. And at least in terms of his output, I, I put it out there. I bet on him to score, to lead the, to lead, lead the series in scoring at eight to one. And for him to be the Eastern conference finals MVP at 10 to one. I still like those plays. I think even if Boston, if Boston loses game one, you might get a little bit more value on Brown to be that final Eastern conference finals MVP. I really think that it will go to a winner or whoever wins this. I know it's the first year of the award, but I, I struggle to think that they're going to reward someone on a losing team in the inaugural season for this award. Now that's kind of my lean. And I do think that this series could go long. I think it could go at least six games and I'll definitely be looking to see if the series spread flips where I can maybe get Boston at a plus one and a half game number or something like that. Uh, but that, that's kind of where my head is at looking at the, this Boston and Miami series, looking at the Western conference finals, I will be covering parts of this game or parts of the series for the action network. And a couple of the things that I'm going to be looking at are, you know, how do these teams really match up? I, I think that this is, to me, this is a fascinating matchup in large part because of the fact that 
I think that these teams, like similar to the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat, are almost like bizarro versions of each other. Um, if you think about it, like the Mavericks, they are they're obviously led by Luca, and they just surrounded him with a bunch of three point shooting. And when you look at the Warriors, they're historically one of the greatest three point shooting teams. So they have a collection of some of the greatest three point shooters, really of all time, on one roster. But it's like, who's even the better three-point shooting team? It, it's a little bit of a toss-up, but I think that here, the thing that I like most is, number one, Golden State's trends in game one are incredible. They're 20-2 and two straight up in game one since 2015, and they're 8-2 and two against the spread as a home single-digit favorite in game ones. We're looking at a minus four-and-a-half spread here. I love it. In those game one trends, uh, with and then couple that with the fact that teams coming off of a game seven, playing a team that has more rest, they the team that has more rest, which would be the Golden State Warriors, wins that at like 62% of the time with an average point differential of minus 4.09 points. We're looking at a minus four and a half spread. I love this spot for the Warriors. Additionally, if we really look at this a little bit deeper, Part of the thing that I like about the Warriors is their flexibility. And I think that that's something that the teams that the Dallas Mavericks have faced so far did not have in the same way. And what I mean by that is if we really look at who they like, let's look at who they played. They played both the Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. And one of the things about that is that they both love pick and roll. And they both are very tied to very specific schemes on both offense and defense. Uh, the Jazz played almost entirely drop coverage. They really struggle playing switch. And against the Mavericks, who could play small, were trying to stretch Rudy Gobert out and almost made Rudy unplayable to a point where we cashed that under on his points per game total. And barely, but by one point, we made it. But look, they, they almost made him unplayable. That was a weakness that the Mavericks were able to point to get an attack and credit to Jason Kidd. Like I, I didn't really feel like he was the best coach. He's showing that he's been a great coach, at least for Dallas here. And when you're tied to such specific types of offense and you're really tied and you're forced to do that, it makes it easier for you to defend it. You know, it makes it easier to adjust for that. And that's something that Dallas could do. So when they're playing, you have Dallas in this situation now, then they go and take on the Phoenix Suns. And while the Suns were a more complete team, obviously, than the, than the Utah Jazz, the issue with the Suns was they had a math disadvantage and they had this huge reliance on two-point shots. And this super heavy reliance on pick and roll, which is fine. You know, it was very effective for them. And they had an incredible two-man pick and roll game between Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, with between the three of them, really. But the problem is the Mavericks can switch everything. And they can continuously attack from three-point range. And we saw this with Phoenix. When they get behind, they couldn't come back. Because what they did was they only really knew how to shoot twos. They didn't have the ability to do anything different offensively. 
campaign was really exposed. And then it really just left, you had Devin Booker and Jay Crowder trying to shoot threes and they're streaky shooters. Here, the Warriors are presenting you with a different challenge. And while I think that the Mavericks should still perform offensively with Luka, and we can get into that a little bit more, I think the key to this is going to be how does Dallas limit the perpetual motion that the Golden State Warriors bring? We saw how they came out and hit the Memphis Grizzlies hard in game one. We saw what the Warriors' perpetual motion did to the Denver Nuggets. From a pure size perspective, these teams' preferred lineups are generally undersized. And while the Mavericks, maybe they can wind up switching everything against Golden State and performing well, the Warriors have much better and much more fluid off-ball movement than either the Utah Jazz or the Phoenix Suns. And that's kind of where we're looking at here. The one thing that Memphis tried to do to Golden State was they tried to limit their three-point opportunities. And when they did that, they it opened up the entire interior. And then they inserted Steven Adams who's a player that neither team has. Nobody has a player like Steven Adams in this in this entire game. Like the closest thing is probably Kevon Looney to that. And the Warriors probably don't really want to play Looney. And the thing is, when you do that, without, without Steven Adams, if you're trying to really, really limit the three ball, you open up the interior and the Warriors attack that. And it's mainly because of Draymond Green. They have, the, they have depth that can be used to replace rotation players. And they can also use their depth to adjust to opponents gameplay. And this is really the thing that separates them from other teams. That's a key difference for Golden State. And the thing is they were able to adjust when Memphis decided to allow easy attacks at the rim and shots in the paint. They were able to give up the three ball. They didn't rely on that because of the way that the offense could be facilitated by Draymond Green. And then the pressure and the gravity that's created by guys like Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson on the exterior. Dallas, on the other hand, I'm not sure if they can do that in the same way. They don't have a guy like Steven Adams to clog up the middle. Like the closest thing they have is Dwight Powell. If they use Dwight Powell then the Warriors can then match his minutes with Kevon Looney, which I think is, you know, a toss up either way, but it gives the Warriors a little bit more flexibility. It helps them lengthen their rotation, save some minutes for some of their other guys. And by playing Looney, that would help Golden State against the Mavericks dribble penetration, which is obviously excellent due to not only Luka Doncic, but Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie. And if they go to you know, if they leave a loony in there, the Mavericks are going to have to switch off of that. And they probably have to do a little bit more pick and roll, which lets them hunt guys like Steph Curry and Jordan Poole. But if you're doing pick and roll and you're doing ISO like that, those shots are probably coming from mid range and you're taking the Mavericks off of the thing that they do best, which is shoot three pointers. And even though it's Luca, that mid range two, that long two, he's not as a, nearly as efficient as somebody like Chris Paul or Devin Booker from mid range. If the Mavericks decide that they're going to say, you know what, we want to spread the floor on offense, we want to make Looney unplayable, I think that you're going to see a lot of the death lineup by the Warriors, and you're going to see Draymond at the five, and that's been absolutely lethal offensively. Um, and those minutes have been great for Golden State. So even though their defense might take a hit. 
Kleber is going to struggle matching up with Draymond. So the key here, in my opinion, in this series, especially to start it before, you know, the Mavericks can make adjustments or proper adjustments anyway, is that the Warriors' ability to switch their scheme is going to be incredibly important. And I think that that's going to give them an early edge in this series. And I expect them to go up at least one nothing. I wouldn't be surprised if they go up two nothing. And I don't, I don't really think that there's value on Dallas in the series, even though I, I think that they're live. I think that it's already priced in. And I think that we would be getting a better number if Luka Doncic wasn't, wasn't Luka Doncic. He's super popular. He's super public. And it's kind of a weird situation because the Warriors are also public. But Luka is that dude. He's that superstar player that people want to back. And they're like, oh, well, like Luka, Luka, Luka. And I think it's a tough spot. I think it's a very tough ask against this Golden State Warriors team that is proven to be excellent. There's sharp money coming in on the Warriors right now in the Action Network app. There's 63% of bets on the Warriors spread with 80% of the money. And on the money line, you know, the Mavericks are getting money on the money line. So maybe there's some value there. But I told you what the trends are. And I do not like them coming off that long series against the Phoenix Suns to take on the Golden State Warriors here in a game where I think that this Warriors offense is something that they ha- literally have not seen in months. So I'll be taking the Golden State Warriors to win this game and to cover at the minus four and a half number. As for the props, I like Clay Thompson to go under the 28 and a half. That's just not a number he's hitting. Dallas does do an excellent job of covering not only the three-point line, but mid-range as well. And Clay takes 50% of his shots from three-point range and 40% of his shots from mid-range. He's really going over this PRA line based on his scoring. Nothing else. He'll get you some of those other stats just because he's on the floor. But considering the fact that he's probably going to be taking on a pretty big defensive assignment covering both Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, and likely switching on to Luka Doncic, foul trouble is always a possibility. And when he's played 30 or more minutes, which is along his playoff average, he's only crossed this threshold in 10 of 26 games. And the thing that you shouldn't get confused about is his, you know, his average PRA output is over 20. It's over 20 and a half. It's 29.7 in those 30, uh, 26 games. But that's his average. And the thing is, he'll go way over. And it doesn't matter if we're right by one, if we're right or if we're wrong by one. The main thing is like we're trying to go under. So if he goes over and he has like 50 point game, it doesn't do any different. It doesn't matter. It's still a loss. So I like Clay to go under that in this specific matchup. And because I think that the Mavericks are going to be a little bit undersized, I think that Draymond should be the best rebounder on the floor. And considering the fact that Draymond's matchup proof, Draymond's going to be on the floor every game, and this is a series-long bet, if these teams start adjusting off and taking out guys like Powell or, or Cleaver, like they could really take a hit. Like maybe they lead the, maybe they lead a game in, in rebounding or two games in rebounding, but then they only play 15 minutes in the rotation the next game or the next two games. That gives Draymond an opportunity to really build up a big lead. So I like him to go over that seven and a half rebounds because this is a series long bet. And I think I'll also look at him to lead the series in rebounding as well.
So with that, look, I think that we're going to see a Celtics versus Warriors finals. I think it's going to be tough, but I still think that Boston probably has an edge to come out on top there. But we'll get more into that next week. And I hope that those that this analysis has been helpful for you. Let me know. Have you hit us up on Twitter? And my pods and recs for the week is going to be getting outside. It's supposed to be pretty nice this weekend, at least at least over here where I'm at. Get outside. The weather's about to turn. Enjoy enjoy some fresh air and make sure you take those allergy medicine medicines, as producer Corey would tell you. So with that. Thanks for joining us here, and let's cash that. Wait a minute, motherfuckers! Ain't a hood nigga, but a nigga from the hood. See, mama stayed on me, so I turned out pretty good. But if you wanna try, suck a Nike, we can do it. <laughs> Sleep. Calling all PM if I pull it. Shit, shit, sheep. Count them for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, your partner got away, but now he vegetable like it. So, so I send his mom and dad a whole case of V8. He could die any second. How much long it's gonna take? Gonna get it over with. Oh, what if you were in my lovers then? You might be the dopest. I would flush it down the toilet. Like the boys in blue. When they come through with the moves. And they kicking down the door. And they don't care who they shoot. But we do care who they shoot. So we do what we must do. So we act like we run track. Then we run straight to the back. But they coming from the back. So we run back to the front. They say get down on your knees. We say what the fuck you want. They want cheese. They want bread. They want dough. They want more. And I wanna give them, but if I keep talking, they won't know that my cousin in the back. And we call him Roller Rooter slash Plumber Cash Runner. And he fight on them computers. Log out. Fuck niggas wanna jack shit tight. No slick. Just bought a Cadillac. Throw some D's on that bitch. Just bought a Cadillac. Throw some D's on that bitch. Just bought a Cadillac. Rich boys said it quick. Fuck niggas wanna jack shit tight. No slick. Just bought a Cadillac. Throw some D's on that bitch. Just bought a Cadillac. Throw some D's. Just bought a Cadillac, bitch. Boy, sell it quick. Fuck niggas wanna check shit tight, no slick. Just bought a Cadillac, took it to the top shop, got the damn top drop. Two color flip flops in the red lollipop. But I still got my Glock cock, new money, motherfucker. Don't you see the big thot? Don't you see the big chain? Don't you see the big grills? Wonder who they hating on lately, baby. This hill, Penny Pint, Gator Skid Seats, call me Dun D. Hoping you. I'm the boy that you wanna be Haters wish they could Feel the wood in my 83 Ride with no tits So the motherfucker know it's me Rich boy, silly, quick Fuck niggas wanna jack shit tight No snack, just bought a Cadillac Throw some D's on that bitch Just bought a Cadillac Throw some D's on that bitch Just bought a Cadillac Rich boy, silly, quick Fuck niggas wanna jack shit tight No snack, just bought a Cadillac Throw some D's on that bitch Just bought a Cadillac Throw some D's Fall. A lot of hoes give me they numbers, but I never call A real OG looking VIP and see a nigga ball Then after we hit the club, baby, I'ma hit them draws Yeah, I'ma break you off And that's all Every freak should have a picture of my dick On they walls Polo be the shit, on not be the click, yeah, this for my, my dogs Yeah, gangsters, hustlers, wasters, busters Wait a minute, motherfucker Rich boy, silly, quick, fuck niggas wanna jack shit tight No snake, just bought a Cadillac Throw some D's on that bitch Kind of 
dick, shit. 